Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Oh, yes, it is. We're rolling along. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. What a fabulous little moment in time to be a sports fan. There's so much going on. NCAA tournament rolling along here. You can play your sheet of integrity against ours. I'm going to post the link in a minute um, when I have a second here and put mine in there. But I will very quickly give you my final four. And I'm going to do the bracket tips a little later because I have a few things I want to get to. But my final four, I have Arizona. I have Gonzaga. I have Iowa, which is... I wanted to go a little outside the box, and I feel like everyone has Iowa. It doesn't feel outside the box. <laughs> like everyone says to you, yeah, here's my big sleeper pick. I'm taking Iowa. So I don't feel like there's that much creativity to it, and I have Kentucky. That's my final four. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Iowa just won the Big Ten championship on Sunday, right? Right. So yeah, every, that's fresh in everyone's mind. Right, and, and they're really good. And I follow the Big Ten all year long. Iowa finished fifth. Iowa was the fifth seed in the Big Ten. They're a five seed mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament, and they're in everybody's final four. Anyway, I have Kentucky beating Arizona for the national championship. So I'm going to give you the link in a little bit. Nuno, get that ready for me. In a, or Unless you know it off the top of your head, I want to give everyone the link to play their sheet of integrity against ours here. All of us are going to post a sheet in there, and we'll have a little contest for you there on ESPN.com or on the Tournament Challenge app. Anyway, so that's going on. Then, of course, we have the Baker Mayfield situation. So while you were asleep last night, while all of this different stuff is going on in NFL free agency and we got the flip-flop of Randy Gregory and we're waiting on Deshaun Watson and everything else, Baker Mayfield posted what can only be described as a goodbye to Cleveland. It's a thank you. He, he describes it as a thank you. But it reads more like a goodbye than Tom Brady's retirement Instagram post did. And what this makes me think about is, like, emotions are a really complicated thing. I, I say this a lot on the air, and I, I've taken to saying it off the air a lot, and that is being reasonable is hard in the world in which we live because reason, it requires being dispassionate. So the first casualty of emotion is reason. The minute you become emotional in your reaction to anything— it's almost impossible to be reasonable regarding that thing, or at least it becomes very challenging. But I do think that one thing that remains true is that really successful people are able to do it. To use a sports analogy, we sometimes ask, why do Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, why do they elevate in the biggest moments? Well, I think the answer to that is that they don't elevate in the biggest moments. They stay the same, and everyone else kind of shrivels. Because the emotion of it, the pressure of it in that case, the nerves, all the rest of that get to them. And I think that's the right analogy for this circumstance, which is to say, I understand Baker Mayfield feeling the way he feels. Baker Mayfield had an injury-plagued year last year in which he was humiliated by Odell Beckham's father and all that. This has been a rough year for Baker Mayfield. I totally get it. And I'm sure he's getting, he hears it on social media, all the rest of that. I I have no doubt that Baker Mayfield is in a tough place right now with all of this. But what you have to do is manage not to do what he did yesterday, which is an emotional response, unless he knows something we don't. And that's why I used that phrase on TV today. What does he know that we don't? Unless he legitimately knows he's not coming back in Cleveland. Because I don't know what he's not. Now, if he knows he's not, if behind the scenes they've told him, Baker, you can explore for a trade and Shefty just hasn't broken that yet, or we're going to move on from you no matter what, or whatever it is he knows. 
If he knows those things, then last night is okay, or it makes more sense to me. But it seems unlikely that that's the case. So then I think that last night is an enormous mistake. You do not post a goodbye to a place that you are most likely not leaving. <laughs> the, the overwhelming likelihood here, I mean, if I were to, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a circumstance in which, you know, if I'm having a negotiation with ESPN that I'm going to stay, I'm going to go, and it sounds like I'm, I might leave, like the, the tea leaves that I'm reading are, you know, I think right now it's probably 70-30 I'm going to wind up leaving here. I wouldn't come on the radio and thank everyone for being with me all these years and thank ESPN and say goodbye. Because when, what happens tomorrow morning? Ah, back in better than ever. I was only kidding. Like, that's just a bad look. And I, I think that's what's going to wind up happening. And if he throws six touchdowns in the first game of the season, it'll all be forgotten. But at least in the moment, I think that was a mistake. So do I. I need our quarterbacks to stop being so introspective. Like, we, we, Baker Mayfield did this way too early, right? He, he, even if he knows something that we don't, you wait to do this until after you're traded, until after you're released. Mm-hmm. You have Aaron Rodgers doing his crazy cleanse thing, and he comes on. Kyler Murray scrubbing his social. Can these guys just chill out? Like, honestly, this, I don't need my, my quarterbacks being so emotionally engaged on social media. This thing is ridiculous, and I totally agree with you. This guy's going to be their quarterback next season. He's going to have to answer questions the first day of training camp. And so is everyone why else, by you, the way. Why did you do that? Like, yeah. They're not getting Deshaun Watson. They're not going to trade them in the a- uh, him in the AFC. So is he really just posting this because he was, I don't know, butthurt because they're bringing because they're you know bringing him in for a conversation? To me, the timing of this makes zero sense. I agree. I I I think it's a it's a mistake, and it's not an irreparable one. This is hardly the worst thing anyone has ever done. Don't get me wrong, but this is a it's a miscalculation, and it's one that I think he may regret. And I'll say it again. the worst thing you can do when you're emotional is, especially when you're a famous person, is react publicly. And that's, you know, no one understands this better than my wife does. During Jet games, 75% of the time she takes my phone away. She will take my phone away. Because if you heard the things I yell at the television during a Jet game, they'd get me fired. (laughs) I I don't know what would happen. But she's like, Mike, I'm taking your phone away. And I'm like, no, but I want to tweet. No, you don't. You're not tweeting about this or anything else and, 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 and told everything has come. I told you the Steve, my, my legendary Stevie story. The Jets are playing Chicago. It's December of 2002. Stevie is something like 10 days old. Wayne Corbett catches a pass. The Jets are trying to come back late in the game. Wayne Corbett catches a pass and for reasons known only to him, tries to jump and do a somersault over a defensive player. <laughs> He gets caught in the air. His head winds up being facing straight down. He fumbles. The Jets lose. And I'm ready to jump out a window. And my wife comes walking over to me, hands me the 10-day-old, just puts the baby in my arms and walks away. What day was Stevie born? He was born December 10th, 2002. Yeah, this was December 15th. So it was five days later. She hands me a five-day-old child. <laughs> and because she knows, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do anything. And I literally had to just stop. I had to just calm down. I just, you know. So that's what they should do. Someone hand Baker a five-day-old and say, dude, I get it. I'd be upset if I were in your shoes, too. But this is not a good solution to that problem. In fact, it isn't, it isn't a solution to that problem. It is actually making the problem worse. Right? That's yeah, what it's doing. Yes. Can I also just, as a side note, yeah. if and when they don't get Deshaun Watson, how silly it might be to move on from Baker? That would be an emotional decision for the Browns. I mean, this is... This well, is- less so. They may have decided... 
that, I mean, what did Bart Scott call him today? Slow, short, and a, and, and a weak arm? And a, and a hard like division. They may have decided division. he's not that good. And that they, are, that they would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or someone else they might be able to get. I don't know that. Let's put it this way. I could more easily see them having decided to move on from him, which they have the option to do, mm-hmm. than him having decided no matter what else happens, I'm not playing for them. Aside from Deshaun Watson, is there an obviously better option than Baker Mayfield on the market right now? Is Jimmy Garoppolo better than him? Is Jameis Winston better than him? I would probably say no. I mean, what, Baker Mayfield, one year ago, was in the argument for being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. His value couldn't be any lower now, but they broke that you know, super long playoff drought, and he was the quarterback, and a huge reason why. I think we're using too much recency bias, and I didn't think I'd be defending that guy, but his, he's had two good seasons and two bad seasons. And for my money, last year was more a product of the injury, like you've said. Yes. I, I did say that at the beginning of the show, if you're just joining us. Baker Mayfield's biggest mistake that he has made in his entire time in Cleveland, a way bigger one than posting this thing last night, was trying to make a tackle week two of this past season. And he annihilated his off shoulder, his non-throw, whatever the word I'm looking for is, his non-throwing shoulder. And he was never the same again. And he had a terrible year as a result of it. And it, it, that, that is the biggest mistake. So, yes, do I think he's better than he looked last year? Yes. Do I think if I'm them... I'm anticipating he's my quarterback beyond this coming season. No, I don't. So if you feel you have a better option and you could move on a year too early or a year too late, maybe you move on a year too early. That's all I'm saying. I mean, oh, this is a franchise that lost 36 of its of 37 games before. Yeah, he but they're over. not that team anymore. They're good. Like they're good at a lot of other places We're on sure? the field. We're sure. They have a lot of good players. I, I mean, they haven't played that way, but they have a lot of good players. Yeah, I wouldn't be giving up on them. All right, coming up, something you need to know about the Hall of Fame that until now you do not, and what I think might not be my, might now be my favorite story anyone from ESPN has ever told. After I remind you that you can try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with Nationwide 5G on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary. Again, something you need to know about the Hall of Fame that heretofore you have not. Next on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. An interesting little observation that was made by my man, Hembo. So I was aware that this weekend you made what you would describe as a pilgrimage. Where did you go? I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. The National Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, First time? (laughs) I've been there like a dozen times. I have like a membership. Have you been there, Bubs? I have, yeah. Like uh, three times. Nuno, you been there? What do you think? 
Okay. On, no. I'm assuming you've been there. Okay, fair enough. So, oh, no, I have not. You have not been there? No. Okay, fair enough. You don't have to have been there. Um, uh, Hembo lives there. Uh, Hembo, actually, when I told you he bought a house, he bought it in Cooperstown. <laughs> it's right by the Otisaga. He is very comfortable there. Anyway, so um, you made an observation that there is something new. To, to, and I think it's worth pointing out. You've been there many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. So the thing that you saw this time, you would have noticed had it ever been there before. For sure. Since the last time I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame, which was in the spring of 2020, so at some point in the last two years, they started uh, hanging up um, a, a, a sign in the museum that reads as follows. It's a performance-enhancing. It says performance-enhancing drugs and reads as follows. Okay, let, let me very quickly explain to everyone what you mean by the museum, because we can't assume everyone has been there. Fair enough. There are two separate parts of the Hall of Fame. There's the the plaque room. What's it called again? The gallery. The, the gallery, where they have all of the plaques. That's what you think of when you think of the Hall of Fame. You think of Babe Ruth's bust and Hank Aaron's bust and all the rest of that. There's also, it is legitimately a museum of baseball history, and in that museum they have, I mean, it's unbelievably cool. They have, you know, all sorts of artifacts and, you know, the glove this guy was wearing when he did this and the ball this guy hit when he did this. And there are, as we have repeatedly pointed out, many items connected to Pete Rose in there and other players who were not in the Hall of Fame, banned or otherwise. So what you're telling me is now this is in the museum, not in the gallery where they've hung this sign. That is correct. These signs are in the museum, and they read when as follows. you say follow. these, there are multiple of them? Well, I took a picture of one of them. So <laughs> I, it was the first one that I saw. I didn't, I didn't count how many of these there were. But there's more than one. But it was very noticeable. And, okay. and, and here's what it reads. In documenting baseball history, the use of performance-enhancing drugs cannot be ignored, although a complete list of players who have used banned substances will never be known. It goes on to say, in this museum, you will find artifacts, images, and stories of players who have either admitted to or have been suspected of using banned substances. Although you will not always find specific references to this issue, the Hall of Fame is committed to telling the story of PEDs within the game's historical context. That's what the sign reads. I was fascinated by this. So much so that I regret that almost immediately after you told me this, we had to do a two-hour television show. And I say that because I haven't really given a lot of thought to what my reaction is to it. My first reaction is that feels like apologizing for something that isn't your fault and isn't your problem. Like that feels like you're kind of pandering on some level. Um, but maybe it's the right thing to do. Let me ask you, because you were there and you had time to think about it. What is your reaction to them hanging that sign? My reaction is that they, those being on the board of the Hall of Fame, hear all the conversations that we in the media have about it. And the fact that they are doing their darndest to separate the fact that it is a two-part place. The museum is A, the gallery is B. You, if you are in the Hall of Fame, um, if you are celebrated as a Hall of Famer, that is an honor if artifacts from your career, like Pete Rose has like a whole section, it is not an honor. What you are doing is preserving history. And there is a chasm between preserving history and having a career worth honor. I would feel a little better about that if they would inject themselves into the decision on whether or not performance. I didn't mean to use the word inject there. That, that was, an, <laughs> it was an inadvertent. Sorry, that was an inadvertent <laughs> choice of words. If, if what they have done is wash their hands of this. They have allowed the writers, like, like to me, the Baseball Hall of Fame and or the commissioner's office 
should decide whether or not a player, at minimum, a player who has admitted to or been tested positive for performance enhancing drugs should be eligible for the Hall of Fame. To be very clear, sports writers cannot vote for Pete Rose for the Hall of Fame or shoeless Joe Jackson or a small collection of other people who have been banned from the game for life. They're not eligible for the Hall of Fame. That decision isn't made by, uh, you know, by, by the baseball writer. Peter Gammons didn't decide that. Right. <clears throat> and, but for whatever reason, they refuse to be the arbiters of this decision when it comes to Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. And I, I think that's the easy way out. So my initial reaction is, miss me with your sign. How about actually taking a position one way or another on this incredibly divisive subject? Well, in some sense, a few years ago, Joe Morgan, who at the time was on the committee, put out a very famous letter effectively saying, we don't want steroid users in the Hall of Fame. So that was, I guess, a semi-official stance. I, I remember that being, he didn't want Hall of Fame users in the but Hall he, of Fame. But he wasn't some random Hall of Famer. He was on the board. I understand that, but he was not speaking on behalf of the Hall of Fame, and there was no action taken as a result of it. That's, that is true. So the people who are on the board of the Hall of Fame change all the time, and the people who are living Hall of Famers change all of the time, and rules do not, although they can. But the reality is, to me, you either should be eligible or not. I've said many times, and that is a decision that should not be being made by the sports writers. For all the hard time that we give the Baseball Writers Association of America, and whether we like this decision they made and don't like that decision they made, we leave this decision to them. Mm -hmm. Like, here's one thing. We don't want them to decide whether someone's a Hall of Famer or not. Uh, Why do they get to vote on that? He's him to ban. Oh, but when it comes to this incredibly important decision, we're just going to punt. And, and leave it up to those guys. They'll leave it up to Jason Stark and, and Peter Gammons and Buster Olney and, and Tim Kirkjian. Like, they're the right people to do this. Come on. Uh, so that, that kind of bothers me. So, yeah, hanging the sign kind of feels like you're covering yourself mm-hmm. when in actuality it's the easy way out of this. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, but I guess my follow-up would just be, what do you want, what do you want the official position of the hall to be? Like, if, 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 I, if they put you in charge of that thing. How might you enact whatever it might be to make that a better place? Either the Hall of Famers who have used performance-enhancing drugs, performance-enhancing drugs, meaning we know it for certain, and that's when you get into this very murky area, but in the case of players who tested positive and or admitted using it, we at least have that. I think that they should be offering guidance. Either A, those players are not eligible, or B, we believe that this decision should be made above and beyond those things. Mm. You're instead leaving it up to each individual writer on the basis of his or her own personal convictions to make this decision. And it it just feels to me like on something like this, either the writers should decide everything or they should decide nothing. Mm. So if you've taken that right away from the writers when it comes to Pete Rose, it's almost like you're saying... It's like you're saying we want to insert insert ourselves into some discussion here, but not all. Mm. Now, it isn't the Hall of Fame that makes that decision, right, with Pete Rose. That's the commissioner's office, right? Yes, he's banned from The commissioner's office rules that he's banned from baseball. Who is it that rules that once you're banned from baseball, you're not eligible to be voted on? Meaning, is that the Hall of Fame or is that the commissioner's office? That is the Hall of Fame. I mean, they— the thing is, there are two separate bodies. They obviously work in conjunction with some things, but in some ways, they cover for each other. It's, 
it's kind, it's kind of messy. And but what is also messy is that there are much worse people glorified in the Hall of Fame than steroid users. So it creates a ridiculous double standard. I mean, for example, Cap Anson, in effect, erected the color barrier. I, I, I read his plaque over the weekend. So you've created a, you have sort of created a mess in that sense. It's very difficult to, to, to use the character clause sort of as a weapon now when it never has been before. And obviously we can look back on the careers of many people and say, yeah, you probably don't belong here. It's interesting. And it's just something when you told it to me, I thought that's not something I think most people know, that that signage is now there and it's available to be seen and it tells them, it delivers the message that they want delivered. We will see. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So this is where uh, we asked Nuno to select a soundbite for us to listen to, and we all react to it. And we cannot possibly have heard this one already because I'm told it is from today. While we've been on the air, Chris Mad Dog Russo, he's got his regular Wednesday date with Stephen A. on first take across the hall from where we're sitting right now. Does this require any setup, Nuno? So he, they were discussing uh, Tom Brady Sr.'s comments on our show yesterday about uh, Brady and retiring. Uh-huh. And then at the end of it, uh, Chris just wants Tom to go away and feels like he <laughs> might have ruined a couple guys' uh, nights on Sunday. <laughs> okay. Let's hear what Chris Mad Dog Russo had to say. To make the announcement of his return by sabotaging the NCAA tournament, 7 o'clock on Sunday, here's Jay Billis trying to tell us Gonzaga's going to win it all. We got to break in. Tom Brady's coming back. Poor Dick Vitale's got the chalkboard out. And here in the world is Tom Brady. Oh, my God, enough. Please, 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 please. Can you go away? <laughs> Away. <laughs> he got the chalkboard out. He's got the ch- poor Dick Vitale's got the chalkboard out. So, so I ran into Mad Dog in, in our last break of Get Up before we came in here. I run out to use the men's room. He's walking by me. He's in a suit today, by the way. He's oh. all dressed up. Oh. And I see him. And I just, I just found this funny. You guys tell me if you think this is funny. So one day, I think it's two weeks ago on a Wednesday, I wasn't working. I forget. Whatever reason, I was, I was not here. And I'm watching the two of them. And it's the first time I've had the chance to see the two of them. Everyone's talking about how great they are together. But it was the first chance I'd had to watch the two of them together because we're usually in here doing this show. And I watched and I was really taken with how good they are. They really are an excellent pairing. It's, it's inspired. And I send the two of them a text. Like, one, you know, you can text two people at once. So it's a, I create like a little group chat. Me, Stephen A. and Chris Russo. And I just write them a note telling them how much I enjoy it. Stephen A. writes back immediately, just a quick, you know, thanks, Greeny, or something like that. You know, we're having a great time, whatever. Just a very, just basically the kind of thing you send back to, to, to reaffirm that you received this. Russo, I do not hear back from. Nothing. Just now, I run into him, and I said, Chris, I got to tell you, I'm really enjoying you 
Uh, and, and Stephen A., congratulations on how well this is going. And he says to me, oh, Yang, you sent me a nice text, too. That was a nice text you sent me. <laughs> he, he's two weeks later or three weeks. I can't decide how many weeks. Yeah, that was a nice text you sent me, too, there. I appreciate that. Like, he referenced the text three weeks later. Didn't, resp- didn't even give me a little, like, oh, know, thumbs it. up to it. Didn't even acknowledge it. No, until now, I didn't know he received it. <laughs> I thought maybe I had the wrong number. Let me pause 15 seconds. We'll continue this in just a moment. And, and we can actually address what he said in 15 seconds on ESPN Radio. So if you're just joining us here, the rest of the country joins us here. Chris Russo, just hilarious. And uh, he's on there with Stephen A. And I was just telling a story about how I sent Steve and Chris a uh, text. You know, I, I created a little three-way group chat between the three of us. Just the first time I saw the two of them on the air together, which was a day that I was off a couple weeks ago to tell them how much I was enjoying it. Stephen A. responded immediately. Chris Russo did not respond at all. I was convinced that, like, maybe he had changed his number. Have I got the wrong number? Whatever it is. Right before we start today, I see him in the hallway. He's got the suit on. He's ready to go in there. And he says to me, Oh, you sent me a nice text. I appreciate it. I thank you for the text. And, And it just occurs to me, everyone else in the world uses a text to acknowledge your personal interaction. He waits for a personal interaction to acknowledge a text. <laughs> that is remarkable. I'm looking through our, through our old text now, Chris and I, and I sent him like a bunch of like really good baseball articles I had worked on. Uh-huh. And I sent him, have you seen these? A lot of good talkers. And he sent me two texts, quite a while later, he sent me two texts in response. The first said, just. The second said, did. <laughs> <laughs> just. Did. He is hilarious. Very. But, but, but the soundbite that we played from, ah, the hell with it. I'll play the whole thing for you anyway because it's just so funny. Um, he, he's, he's tired of Tom Brady, and he thinks that Brady hijacked the uh, selection show. To make the announcement of his return by sabotaging the NCAA tournament, 7 o'clock on Sunday, here's Jay Billis trying to tell us Gonzaga's going to win it all. We got to break in. Tom Brady's coming back. Poor Dick Vitale's got the chalkboard out. And here in the world is Tom Brady. Oh, my God, enough. Please, 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 please. Can you go away? Can you go away? So... Let me ask you a question. We had uh, Brady's dad on here yesterday. You may have heard it. And I, I, I've interviewed him many times. I've always enjoyed him. He's someone that I like and respect. And he's a dad. I'm a dad. I, I'm, I'm in no way here to judge him. But he did have a sort of a difficult time explaining what happened. When what happened doesn't have to be that complicated. Now, Tom Brady is far from the first person to change his mind about a decision, even a really big one. And it could easily be explained as simply as by saying, you know, that's what he thought he wanted. And then when he's been out of it for a little while, he realized his heart is not in it. His head is not it. Whatever it is, he's not ready to give it up yet. And so he's going back done to me. No further questions need to be asked. No harm was done. Um, And yet I have been surprised at how many people have had a similar reaction that I've heard from, heard about, seen on Twitter, et cetera, to what Chris Russo's had. So, Nuno, you're my vice president of negativity. You're just generally a negative Nancy, and you will find something nasty to say about everything. Do you share Chris Russo's feeling, A, that that Brady should have not made this announcement? I mean, he had to announce it Sunday, I think, because he had to do it before the the legal tampering period began. Um, But do you share his, well, just go away. Do you share that? Um, I do think he could have waited a Monday morning, right? Because quote-unquote legal tampering started at uh, 12 o'clock. Right. So if, you know, you could have done it at that point. 
listen, I do think someone needs to tell Brady to go away. And why not Mad Dog? Because I don't think anyone will tell Brady to go away when he probably should. And so why? Mad Dog... Why should he? I'm, what am I missing? I, I just, again, I'll go back to this. I know he's a different breed and who knows? He he probably gained that inspiration thinking he can do it one more uh, one more year because he saw Cristiano Ronaldo. He was he was hanging out in Manchester on a Saturday watching him score a hat-trick uh, against Tottenham. But like maybe he thought, uh, you know, I can still keep doing this i don't know i just feel like when this ends it's going to end badly and i don't want to see that how badly can it end realistically let's say um he is diminished let's say his skills begin to diminish and his last year doesn't look anything like all the other years that wouldn't be that different from what we've seen from a lot of other all-time greats and it certainly doesn't take away his legacy as the greatest player of all time is in stone so I'm not sure exactly what he has to risk. Like, what can he still lose, Nuno? That's the part but of it I'm confused Do you by. really want him going out there? And, and everything's obviously hypothetical, right? Like, because we still don't know what this Deshaun stuff is. But, like, Deshaun Watson ends up in, in New Orleans – I, for for a lot of people, I think m- might be like they're the best. You know, that's the best team in that division. Let's say they win the division. There's been little glimpses we've seen where he a couple years ago he didn't know that it was fourth down or you know how many downs were in a, in a Bears game. You know, we've seen these where he looks kind of bad. You know, he had a Kansas a game against Kansas City on a Monday night where he looked shot, and that's my concern that it's just ugly. He's you know he's. They don't make the playoffs. They he struggles. Like that is what I'm concerned about. I get it, and that's not going to affect his legacy in the long run. But you don't want to see guys who've who've performed on such a high level um, going out like that. And I'll just say real quick because I mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo, him, Messi. You've seen the glimpses as they get older for guys who watch them, where it's just like. All right, age is finally catching up to you. Even even though they might have a game or two or stretch where they're outstanding, I hear you. The the counter argument I would make to those one of them is, I remember the fifth down situation against Chicago. I also remember that that season ended with him winning the Super Bowl. The other thing is that he is he has shown no signs of that at all. Like he's coming off a season in which he was as good as he's ever been. So. The likeliest scenario is that when the slippage begins, he doesn't go from being the best quarterback in the NFL, which he may well have been last year, let's let's call him 1A behind Rodgers, to being the worst quarterback in the NFL, like he probably goes from being great to being decent. And then he knows, I'm done. But I can see him still feeling like, I'm leaving something on the table, like I'm still good enough to be great at this. And I think he'll be... The one to walk away, look, I'm not here to tell him what to do or not to do, whatever the case may be. I was, you know, if he wants to retire, that's obviously fine. Um, And I am a little surprised that at the disorganization or whatever it is, the uncertainty with which he handled this departure and then return. But I'm less worried about those things than Nuno is, Hembo, because I've seen it with so many other great players. They all tend to fall off at the end. It is the natural evolution of sports. Yeah, but Tom Brady is the exception. We, we, we've seen very natural career arcs from all of his contemporaries. We saw it from Ben, uh, ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. He's still at the top of his game. He, I would have voted him MVP last year. What he is right now is Barry Bonds at the end without the cheating. Like right, Barry, Tom Brady has shown... No signs yeah. of decline. And if he were to decline, 
it wouldn't happen precipitously. It wouldn't, he wouldn't fall off of a cliff. Last year, he was arguably better than he has ever been. So let's wait and see what happens. Because we were playing Chris Russo, let's play the one from earlier in the show, too, as well. He was upset about Randy Gregory flip-flopping on the Cowboys, the idea that the contract language is the reason that he wound up changing his mind. Chris did not like that. His excuses? Well, I didn't like some of the contract language. Nonsense contract language. I mean, what do you think? He's perusing the contract. Listen, I've signed a million contracts. Never let her, I never read a word in them. So the idea that Randy Gregory is sitting there with a microphone glass, you know, going through his word by word, a 50 page document is a bunch of nonsense. A microphone glass. Oh, my God. It's just too good. It's just too good. And I will say this, the, the pairing of Stephen A. and Chris is inspired. And here's why. Chris Russo is just willing to say on national television to the biggest audience he's ever had. He's 62 years old and he's in every Hall of Fame there is. And he's one of the most influential and important people in the history of our industry. But this is the most people he's ever had listening to him just based on the fact that he's on probably the biggest show on ESPN. And he is sitting up there and he's willing to go on there and say, Tom Brady, will you go away? How many people are willing to say that? You know who else is the only person I can think of who would say that? Is Steve. I have worked with Stephen A. Smith now going back to October, his NBA season, and I am blown away at his willingness to just say whatever is on his mind. Now, I'm not Stephen A.'s PR representative. You are welcome to love him or hate him. That is entirely up to you. It is obviously part of his persona that some people are not going to like him because he is so willing to do that. But I'm here to tell you, it takes a certain kind of guts to be willing to go on the air with as many people as are paying attention, particularly with Steve, to the things he says, and be willing to say the stuff he says. I am amazed, just amazed. I, I sit there sometimes in awe. He will say something, and I, I, I have to move the conversation to something else. But what, as the host, <laughs> what I really want to say to him is, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Like, I've looked at him, I'd be like, I cannot believe you just said that. And that, you're not talking about something that happened, like, once. You're talking about, like, something Every day. that happens. <laughs> Every day. That happens just about once a day. Almost once a day. Like, Stephen A. says something that trends on every show we do. Every show we do. He says something that trends. And he'll be like, I'm looking in the camera. And I'm talking to you. And, and he's, he's talking right at somebody. And that somebody is like Kevin Durant. <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable. He's just got guts for days. So take that again. Whatever you may think, that's not up to me to decide. But I love it. And, and, and Chris is just like that, too. So that is a, an inspired pairing. And I'm happy for both of them that it is going so well. Okay. What did I have here? Oh, I want to play this. So Hembo told me about this. I haven't heard it yet. But this is Tim Kirchin. I love Tim Kirchin. And there's, I don't think there's anyone alive who doesn't love Tim Kirchin, right? You don't even have to have met Tim Kirchin to love Tim Kirchin. You don't, do you know what the word mensch means? I do. A mensch is Tim Kirchin. Mm. All right. For anyone who doesn't know what, the, what it means to be a mensch, it's what Tim is. Tim is a mensch. And he is, was this on, did you tell me on Buster's podcast? Yes, but the, the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Rowland. Okay. So Buster asked him how he spent his time during the lockout. That's right. And here's what Tim Kirchin said. I watched every rerun of Columbo again, and there's only so much of that that I can watch. <laughs> he watched every rerun of Columbo. That's the show he chose to watch. Columbo is a show that is before my time. 
I'm 54 years old, and Columbo was famous, a famous TV show with Peter Falk before I started watching television. So the and Columbo was Peter Falk, and it was a very big show. I'm aware of it. I know what it is or what it was. Peter Falk has been dead for 20 years, um, and I loved him. But that, that is just how, you know, I didn't have anything to do. I had nothing to cover, and so I was just, I was home, and I just said, I'm just going to watch Columbo. Do you think he... Was he watching it like on one of the channels that shows old shows or did he buy like a DVD collection? I can't imagine Tim, like from, from working with Tim, he's the worst at technology here, like of any person for sure. And he's willing to admit that. So I'm guessing he just had TV land on because You're he's telling not, me he doesn't know how to use a DVD? I think it's unlikely that he knows how to use That he has a DVD, a DVD player. I'm not sure I have a DVD player anymore, to be honest with you, but that's because I've moved past I don't it. think that he has a way to watch on-demand programming <laughs> of any kind. Because you know who does is Mel. Because this reminded me of Mel. Mel, when, when, when he was talking, he did a fabulous interview. I forget who did it with him. Someone, who was it? It was with the New York Post, uh, right before, uh, right around before the draft. Before the draft time. last yep. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Serby did it. Oh, so yeah, Serby this is the most insane Mel. thing I've ever heard in my life. And <laughs> Mel said... That he and his wife Kim, who you know, they're they're attached at the hip, and they you know she runs a lot of things in his business. They're 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 partners as well as obviously life partners. But anyway, he said that Kim got him the complete DVD set of the TV show Dallas, the legendary TV show Dallas, also of my youth, not quite as old as Columbo, but I think Mel is not quite as old as Tim. I'm not sure one way or the other, but that he watches one episode every Friday night at ten o'clock. Because that's when it was on. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 uh, right? Am I making that up? Outrageous. I remember that. I remember that from the draft being like, that's unbelievable. Like, he that's watches the, that's it the most Mel thing I've ever heard. On Friday night, because that's when it was on. He also watches old episodes of the Johnny Carson show, The Tonight Show. Please tell me you know who that is. I've heard of Johnny Carson. Okay, yeah. thank God. So anyway, Johnny Carson, I loved. I grew up loving that. The Tonight, he was host of The Tonight Show before Jay Leno. Wait, hold on. So before Jimmy that, Fallon. The show is now Jimmy Fallon. This is a different person than Carson Daly. Carson, Johnny Carson's older, right? We're You're not doing this. Stop right, it. Stop. Well, I'm not doing this. Carson, yeah, no, I'm not, not even talking show, to like you anymore. Johnny Carson is, was an institution. Johnny Carson created David Letterman. Johnny Carson is the greatest. So anyway, I grew up watching The Carson Show. We all grew up watching The Carson Show. He was on NBC at 11.30 at night if you lived in New York, as I did, or anywhere in the East, 10.30 in Chicago. So Carson, so Mel watches Johnny Carson every night at 11.30 because that's when it was on. <laughs> like, that's, that's an incredible, like, that is extraordinary dedication, Bubba, wouldn't you say, to the cause? Oh, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. You're just like, well, it's 11.30. What are we going to watch? Well, I guess we'll watch a Johnny Carson from 45 years ago. I mean, it's... Do it's, you think he binge watches any of the current shows? Like, I have started... Mel? Yeah. yeah, he's a Bachelor guy. Uh, he watches The Bachelor, he watches so that's the a Bachelor. current show. Okay, it's not a binge-watching thing, and, and, and I guess you could binge-watch it, right? But that's on network. That's on regular network TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I have taken to... We have actually started, when, since the kids went away, we have started watching shows, and I'm in. I enjoy watching... The I enjoy binge watching shows. I've seen some stuff I really liked, and so I so I am not watching old episodes of Dallas or Columbo or the Carson Show. So thirty years from now, when baseball is inevitably locked out again, right? What, what, will you, what show will you be watching then? Seinfeld. 
That's your show. I, I mean, if you ask me my favorite show ever, that, re- that remains my favorite show ever. If you're talking about the current shows that I think will stand up that long, uh-huh. curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, there is a, and there is a correlation between those two, and its initials are LD. All right, this was fun. Uh, let's keep a close eye on what happens with the NFL free agency today. We'll obviously be all over that, see if something happens with Deshaun Watson and everything else. And we will reconvene same time, same place tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.